What's up, everyone? Welcome to this episode of The Formula, where we break down the elements of achievement in world-class performers. I'm your host, Trevor Carlson. This week, I had the awesome opportunity to interview SwineTech CEO and pitching phenom, Matthew Rhoda. Matt has won over $300,000 pitching in pitch competitions worldwide and raised over $1.2 million in funding for SwineTech. In this episode, Matt goes into how he came up with the idea for SwineTech, really how it got started, and then he even goes into like what goes into a good pitch. I know I learned a lot of things from this conversation with Matt, and I really hope that you do too. So I'm Matthew Rhoda. I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called SwineTech. SwineTech prevents little piglets from getting crushed by their moms. It's a huge problem. And we also provide real tracking of the health to the farmers so that they can essentially have access to the Fitbit for pigs. Ever since I was a little kid, I loved working on the farm. It was the one time I got to spend really good quality time with my grandpa and my dad. And that just transitioned into me getting a management position for a large farming operation in Waterloo, Iowa. And while I was there, I was actually planning on being a doctor. But then I realized that this problem of piglets getting crushed was costing farmers millions of dollars and that something had to be done. But it really wasn't until my dad said, we need a solution to this problem, you should go for it, that I truly took that leap of faith. And I was also inspired by all the kids we were working with at a STEM organization we co-founded in Waterloo, me and Abraham. And we really realized that we were telling all these kids the importance of an education and entrepreneurship, but we weren't taking that leap of faith ourselves. So we decided to drop out of school for a semester, went through the Iowa Startup Accelerator, where we learned more than what we could have ever imagined. And now SwineTech is thriving. Uh, we're working with some of the largest pork producers in the world. And I've just been doing a lot of traveling and uh, we're jumping into a lot of machine learning and a lot of things that I never thought we'd ever do. Yeah, that sounds like a, like a hell of an adventure, Matt. You're working with these pork producers from around, around the world. And how did you go from going through the Iowa Startup Accelerator, having this, this idea for this product, to now you're, you're establishing these partnerships, and it's, it seems like that you guys are kind of moving full steam ahead. Really, it just got in front of people. And early on, we uh, refined our pitching skills, and that really helped allow people to understand what we were doing, like us, and then also it also allowed us to inspire them. And that just really drew everybody in. They wanted to know more. They wanted to know how they could help. And that gave us all the connections we needed to go and really push this thing and grow it. Uh, ever since I was uh, pitching early on, I was just always making mistakes. The first time I was presenting was in a class uh, to a whole bunch of actually foreign students. I somehow got into this one class called PowerPoint for, uh, for students. <laughs> I was one of two Americans. We weren't even supposed to be in the class, but they allow us to stay. And I'm pitching to all these uh, international students about pig farming. And most of them were coming from the city. I truly didn't realize that what I was saying wasn't resonating with them. I wasn't pitching the way I should have to them. And that's something I really learned over the course of over two dozen international pitching competitions. It's how can you tailor your presentation to multiple audiences. And it was just, it was just a crazy experience. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been pretty fun. So, so tell me a little bit more about this, this first presentation that you made. So you, you signed up for this course, and you put together a PowerPoint, and you started talking about, about pig farming. And 
you know, were you, did you feel like you were, you did a good job? Did you feel comfortable? Like, uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Cause I, I think that a, a lot of people out there you are in their earlier stages of putting together pitches. And, uh, I think they would like to hear how, how you kind of got started and, and it's normal to, to make mistakes. Yeah. So from the very beginning, I was very passionate. I was very excited. It wasn't a problem of me wanting to get up there and present. It was my PowerPoint presentation was complete crap. Uh, I was always just going too far in depth on everything. I thought that they all wanted to know what I wanted to know, and it's just <laughs> not the case. Uh, the most important part of a presentation and what truly investors or your audience wants to know is if they can't understand it, they're not going in to invest in it, they're not going to pay attention. You need to say what they'll understand, and I was far from that, and that's what practice really helped me uh, refine. So how? So speaking of practice, how how did you... How did you go from guy who is excited to pitch and doing a PowerPoint presentation but not really delivering the message very uh, clearly to now the, the polished, really awesome presenter that you are now? Yeah, so initially it's most of my problems that I needed to work on was I was pitching to multiple groups of people. Not every group of people thinks the same way. You need to tailor your pitch to each and every type of person. Uh, I tried to sound too smart. Uh, you're in a room with all these rich individuals. You got to feel like you're smart enough to be in the room, but that's truly not the case. They just want to know the why and why you are the one to get the job done. Mm-hmm. I talked to too many details, and uh, I really figured out that I was leading people down a path that I really didn't want them to to dwell on. So what I did was I did a lot of reading. I went when I was in the Iowa Startup Accelerator. We did a lot of pitch practices in front of an audience, and through that I was able to watch the audience's reactions, figure out what got them to tick. I also received personal pitching lessons from Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington, Under Armour's Kevin Plank, and the world-renowned Guy Kawasaki, which was really great. I got that opportunity through a Stanford accelerator. I competed all around the world and pitched in many different styles, which allowed me to see what worked and what didn't. And this allowed me to take the best from each and turn it into the perfect pitch. And that really helped me refine it to where it's at today. So where are you at with pitching now? I mean, you you just got back from a pitch competition in Germany, right? Yeah, we just got back from a pitch competition in Frankfurt, Germany. We were pitching against 56 different countries and uh, won the student Global Student Innovation of the Year, uh, which was pretty cool. And uh, one thing that we've learned through those uh, competitions is just you never know what to expect, so you always have to be on your toes. But we also won the International Business Model Competition, uh, which had 5,000 different uh, companies uh, that went through that, uh, which we worked and won a competition at Microsoft, Harvard, MIT, Princeton, uh, and Under Armour, which was got, got this big this big trophy. So it was pretty pretty fun. But uh, the venue of Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue, there were so many of them. But uh, now we're pretty much done with pitch competitions. We just raised $1.3 million from 15 different investors. And we're really ready to go blow this thing up. Well, that's awesome, man. Congratulations on the, uh, on the wins and the raise. And that's a, that's a pretty nice-looking trophy. It's supposed to have roses in it because it was Cupid's Cup. But uh, we got to get those. They all died. <laughs> Better get some more roses then. Yeah, I'll get fake ones. When you see other people pitching, since you have so much experience doing it, what kind of mistakes do you see them making uh, when they're pitching their business uh, to, to other people, to investors, uh, to multiple audiences? The, the biggest three things that people fail to do is they fail to touch the heart. And the reason they can't touch the heart is because they fail to think big enough. And uh, they're just not likable. 
And if they are likable, they still fail to think big enough. If you think big, you're able to come up with that big vision for your company that's going to touch people's hearts. And then since you're touching people's hearts, you're likable. That is the most important thing in the beginning of your presentation, becoming likable and everything that leads up to that. So it's, it's not necessarily that people are, are they're not likable. It's more or less that they have, that when they're pitching. Their struct- their- yeah, yeah, their structure isn't set up in a way to make them likable. Right. Uh, and people also fail to allow the listener to use their imagination to make them look bigger than what they might actually be. Uh, sometimes you need to leave things out for individuals to make make up their mind on, like, oh, if they're if they're doing this, this, and this, they must be this big. Sometimes you can leave things in the gray without saying anything, and it's actually going to benefit you, and you can just address all those details and questions. Yeah, I think that makes I think that makes a lot of sense. It's it's like uh, talking to people about like uh, I have a friend of mine that's been telling me I need to do a better job of explaining why I'm doing something instead of how and what I'm doing. It's almost like if you go into the why then you can talk about like why it's important to you, why it's important to them versus just saying like, hey, we make tech for pigs. Um, yeah. And the, the next biggest mistake that people do is they pitch in pairs. Uh, I have never, ever <laughs> been to a pitching competition, and I've been to over 25, where a team won that had more than one presenter. People don't want to see that, especially investors. Investors want to know that the CEO knows at least – a piece of each and every part of their company. And that's what the judges are looking for. If you bring an extra person in, it shows that you might not know everything about your company. And it also creates dysfunction within the presentation. But it also comes off as disingenuine because if you have two people, the only way to make it flow well is to have it completely scripted. And people don't want to feel like you're pitching a scripted presentation. They want to know that you're there and they're hearing this from you for the very first time. Makes them feel more important. I couldn't agree more. It's every time I see, like I've, I've been to a few pitch competitions and every time I see a two person team, I'm just always like, Oh man, I I don't, I don't know why, but it just seems like it's something that's very difficult to pull off. Yeah. So, so since you're, you're now, uh, you know, we're working together and putting together this course on, on how to pitch, uh, what, where do you see the biggest benefit? What do you see the biggest benefits being from somebody who takes this course with you? I think the biggest benefits is the ability to think outside the box. Uh, There's a lot of ways to think outside the box, but I've truly found a way in presentations to get out of the norm, create that big picture, big idea, create that vision, inspire others, and also become a very likable individual. Uh, People that are, whether they're investors, a boss that you're presenting an idea to, or just anybody in an audience, they want to feel as though they're talking to a very genuine person. And... You need to be able to create that big vision, that big picture, but also still feel like you're a genuine individual. And uh, a lot of people fail hitting all those key points, but that's something that uh, you're going to get out of this course. You're also going to receive the structure, the, the PowerPoint styles. A lot of people say, okay, this is the best way to do a PowerPoint presentation. Here's the 10 slides you need. When in reality, the best PowerPoint presentations I've seen at pitch competitions or what the investors like in person is truly slides around 35 to 40, something that's always moving. All these people, they don't want to be sitting there staring at a slide. They want change. They want something new. They want to be get excited. And how you structure your PowerPoint is going to be able to do that. So I'll be able to show you how to not only make the most of the, uh, uh, the space on a PowerPoint slide, but then also how to structure it in a way to get your audience excited. 
I know I'm excited to see uh, to see this this class come to fruition. It's, it's nice for me too because I've been helping. Pe- I've, I've probably helped over a hundred individuals, students, or people around Iowa and, and people in Peru. I just had a Peruvian company call me the other day, and it's it's helped my time a little bit too. <laughs> right? Yeah, you can just direct them to the class and be like, "Hey, you know, I've already got this out there." So, so since I've got you on on the call today, uh, would you would you want to give a little sample of maybe like a thirty second? Uh, 30-second pitch of maybe what you use to, to uh, describe swine tech? Swine tech helps farmers prevent baby pigs from getting crushed. Uh, on average, it will suffocate four and a half minutes, and this results in the loss of over 116 million piglets that die every single year. So I'm Matthew Rota, and I've developed a technology that can reduce this loss by 74%. Uh, while I was a little kid, I loved working with pigs, and that inspired me to develop a technology that could fix this problem. My team and I have been working with the largest producers in the world and are helping farmers save millions of dollars every year and are truly trying to feed the world. So we are the superhero pigs have been waiting for. That sounds like a pretty convincing uh, 30-second pitch. So how, how does that 30-second pitch, how is that different from, from one you know, that somebody else, else would do? So I went through it kind of quick, and it's, it's really different when you're giving it to somebody in person. You have a lot more of that uh, excitement in there and that passion versus computer. Yeah. But what you really want to do is let people know the why. What inspired you to pursue this? Because that inspiration is what's going to get you through all the rough, uh, rough times that you're going to go through. But then you also want to get that tell me more. Yeah. You want them to say tell me more. And by doing that, if you notice, I didn't tell you anything about our product. If you leave out the product but tell them it's a serious problem, they know the why – and they know that you have traction, mm-hmm. they're going to say, tell me more. And that's when you really can captivate uh, their attention. So yeah. if I'm doing a 67-second presentation, look more like, Swine Tech helps farmers prevent baby piglets from getting crushed to death. On average, a piglet will suffocate for four and a half minutes. And last year, more than 116 million piglets died from getting crushed. I'm Matthew Rota, and ever since I was a little kid, I've loved working with pigs, and that inspired me to develop a technology that can reduce this problem by 74%. Our patent-patenting technology, SmartGuard, can accurately identify when a piglet is getting crushed by assessing the wavelengths and frequencies of each and every one of the piglet squeals. It uses acoustic engineering, proprietary algorithms, and machine learning to filter and detect when a piglet's in distress. When we detect that piglet in distress, we communicate to a wearable placed on the mom that'll tell her to stand up and save that piglet's life. Not only can we save that piglet's life, this wearable also has real-time health tracking, allowing us to understand if a sow is sick or if she's killing her babies. My team and I are working with the largest pork producers in the world and are helping farmers save millions of dollars every year. We are essentially the Fitbit of pigs and are helping farmers feed the world. We're swine tech. So that one, it's really just kind of the same exact thing as your 32nd, but you're just throwing in your snippet about your technology yeah odds are when you're doing an elevator pitch uh, for a competition it's going to be a minute so you're going to have that kind of second format but if it's in real life in person with somebody else you're not going to have hardly even 30 seconds so you need to find a good 15 second thing and really it's a sentence about the why i'm matthew rota i've developed a technology that can reduce piglet crushing ever since i was a little kid i've been inspired to improve the pork industry Right now, we're working with the largest farmers in the world and now have contracts of over a million dollars. That's going to get people excited. They're going to like you, and they're going to want more. So how do you get them drawn in? And that's how you do it. Yeah, those are, 
man, that makes, I'm not a farmer, but that makes me want to buy uh, some of your technology. All right. So, so Matt, uh, his class is going to be, the beta class is going to be opening up on uh, May 17th. Uh, that beta class is going to be running for four weeks, and uh, later in the summer of 2017, we'll be releasing the fully produced class by Matt Rota on how to pitch. Uh, now, as we're uh, we're wrapping this up, Matt, I have a couple I have a couple questions just for people to get to know you a little bit better. Um, oh no! <laughs> so, so what do you what do you do in your free time for fun? So, in a free time for fun, I like to hang out with friends. Uh, love to go to sporting events. Uh, love NASCAR, which is kind of odd for people in Iowa. People oh, think man. Iowa or NASCAR, Iowa, but no, I'm actually the oddity, <laughs> and uh, I love it. So I'm always keeping up on, on sports, and especially NASCAR, and yeah. always to improve other aspects of my life, just like working out and right. doing things like that. So, do you ever feel like that between NASCAR and farming that you you kind of are, you fit the uh, Midwestern stereotype, maybe a tiny bit? <laughs> a tiny bit, yeah, I do for sure. <laughs> For sure. So, so you spend a lot of time on the on the road traveling, whether it's planes or cars or or trains. Uh, so, what's your what's your go to jam right now when you're on the road? Oh, so, it's, so I don't speak very good Spanish. I'm actually really <laughs> bad at Spanish. But every Abraham will listen to music, and I get sucked into to that, uh, that Latino music, like Despacito, Bailando, Danza Caduro, stuff like that. Just for you to be like, oh, I have no idea what they're saying, but woohoo. Yeah. Uh, when, when I'm working, I like to listen to country. Uh, yeah. It just depends on what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, do you have a specific country song that stands out right now? Oh, I like uh, Southern Comfort Zone by Brad Paisley. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never. It was kind of fun. I was just in, since I was just in Belgium, Spain, and Germany, when I was flying back, it was talking about how, like, you have your, your comfort zone in the Midwest and the, and the South and around the world. Nobody else has the tendencies and all the traditions you do and coming back to it so special. And it was true. I was, I was glad to be back. That's awesome. It sounds like it, sounds like it, uh, it hits home for you then. Yep. Uh, so what, what is something that you've, uh, that you've learned this week? I've learned this week that you can't go a whole week with four hours of sleep without burning out <laughs> anymore. I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to like not sleep period, but yeah, yesterday I was just dead and, and, uh, Abraham, he was going on a lack of sleep all week too. And he was sick yesterday. So I got to take better care of myself. So I'm learning some of that the hard way as we're going through some of these, uh, these busy weeks as of late. You're gonna have to write a book on uh, on all this sometime about all your travels and, and pitch competitions around the world. I think you've had a pretty pretty unique experience. And yeah. in, the, in the back, you can be like, "Here's things you don't do. Like you don't skip sleep for weeks at a yeah. time." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last question, and then uh, then we'll wrap this up. What did you want to be when you grew up? I know you you uh, you talk. I mean, you grew up on a farm and and whatnot. But but um, you know, did you have like a, a secret occupation or career or something that you wanted to do growing up? The dream, the dream job. Yeah, yeah. So my dream job ever since a little kid was I wanted to be a race car driver. Uh, believe it or not, which is why like these things are so awesome because you see them on the TV, these big cups, and it's like, yeah, I got one of these things. <laughs> but really, uh, to to do that, you have to have a rich family. I do not. Uh, you just need a lot of opportunity, and that's what actually uh, pushes me to do what I'm doing every single day in this. I mean, obviously, I want to help the industry, help my family, help the world. But I hope for this to be able to fund my my dream so that uh, when I'm 26, 27, I might be able to go race sprint cars and see what happens. I mean, that's why I got this picture up here of uh, my favorite race car drivers as inspiration so I can keep pushing because 
I'm going to, to try to do it someday. That's awesome. Well, hope that you get to achieve that dream someday. I mean, it'd be, uh, hopefully you have as much success on the racetrack as you do uh, presenting to large audiences. Um, well, yeah, the nice thing is I've met enough uh, CEOs of companies like Under Armour. When I want to do it, I got sponsorship people I can reach <laughs> out to. <laughs> yeah. Pitching helps with sponsorships too. You got to convince them that you're the right person for them to put their name on, right? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I'm hoping that when you do get your, uh, your first sprint car that, uh, that you, you uh, send me over a, uh, a pit pass or something so I can oh, yeah. come down there and hang out. So. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I don't crash it. <laughs> right. That, that'd be bad. All right, yeah. Matt. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to stop in today and look forward to chatting again soon. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. If you would be so kind, you will find a link down in the show notes. Uh, that link is going to take you over to iTunes where, if you'd like to, you can give us a five-star review. Now, giving us a five-star review helps us to rise up in the ranks on iTunes and for people like you to be able to find our show. Uh, also, if you have any ideas for anyone you would like to hear us interview, please feel free to shoot me an email, trevor at helixacademy.co, or jump over to the Twitter sphere where you can shoot us a little message at helixacademyco. Thanks again for tuning in this week, and I look forward to seeing you or having you tune in to listen next week. Thanks, everybody.